Our topic today is copyright and fair use for teachers. What can and can't you do? How do you model for kids? And where do you find really good resources that you can use in classroom materials legally? So uh, where's who's our panel today? I'm Elizabeth Armstrong. Lizbeth Welch-Stemos. Jen Anderson. So welcome, Lizbeth. You are a newcomer to our podcast yes. here. So welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you. So one of the things that we get from teachers a lot is how do I know what I can do in terms of taking materials from the internet or copying things to, uh, for my classes? And so we wanted to give kind of a, a quick overview and we'll also highlight some, uh, some resources that are available on our own website for, uh, for copyright free resources that you can use. But first of all, just let's just give an overview here. So, Elizabeth, what has been your experience as you've been putting together the the eleven twelve English curriculum with questions about copyright and what can and can't be done? Well, there's been a couple of different separate issues. Teachers want to know what can I Xerox and pass out to my class? What can I put on my website? For the materials we were creating, we were really concerned as a district, we weren't infringing upon fair use or copyright with things we were publishing here and, and giving out to teachers. So um, I mentioned to Kevin uh, before, but we actually ended up purchasing the rights to a poem that we published in a workbook uh, from Random House because we really thought that we wanted that poem in the text set and there was no way to get it other than to purchase it. But it wasn't that expensive. It was like $50 for five years. So what made it so that you had to purchase that the rights to that instead of just copying it out of a book and giving it out? With, with published materials, particularly literature, there's the public domain. So as of January 1st, 2020, anything published prior to 1925 is in the public domain. And we could use that, and we did use many things in the public domain, but this poem was published earlier than that, and we didn't own the rights. Random House did, so we needed to get that. If we were just going to put it on a website, we could just put the link to the original source material, and that would be completely fine because we were taking the person using our material directly to the original source. So teachers can always post a link of any literature to the direct source, and that's not copyright. It's when you publish in Xerox, you get into kind of a gray area with fair use. But I thought as a teacher, if I was just using it in an educational setting in the classroom, fair use covered me. It does, but there's things that you need to be aware of. One is most fair use, there's a percentage of the overall work you're allowed to use. And I always had heard it's 10%, but even that's not a, a, a sure thing. And they say like for a novel, if you use 200 to 300 words in a passage, you're fine mm. for your classroom. But um, you can still get in trouble for doing that. If you Xerox something for a one-time use, let's say you find an article and you Xerox it for a one-time use, that's fine. But if you put that in your filing cabinet and you bring it out year after year after year, that might be a bad area. So um, 
There's a website I really like and I, I access it often. It's called Writer's Guide to Fair Use and Permissions. And the woman who writes it's name is Jane Friedman. And she updates it anytime there's new cases or anytime anything changes. So every couple of months she goes in and updates it. And that will help you find that. We'll add that link in our uh, in our show notes. I, I think that's you brought up one of the um, actually a couple of the the kind of misconceptions I think there is around around fair use, and one is that there is some kind of bright line, some kind of percentage, and that's that's actually uh, that's a, a misconception that I learned about that there isn't anything that's definitive. Fair use is something that fair use is whatever a court decides it is. Mm-hmm. So if I if I take a, a, a piece of a video or a, a published material and I use it in some way and the copyright holder comes back to me and says, you shouldn't have done that, and I claim fair use, it, 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 the, only, the only arbiter of that is a court, is, some, is someone to say, yes, that was fair use or, or no, that wasn't. And there's four different considerations for fair use and we can, we can talk about those a little bit later. The other thing that is, I think, a misconception is that anything a teacher does is fair use because we're just poor teachers. We're just little church mice. Um, you know, we're not making any money off of off of any of this stuff. But that still doesn't a that doesn't necessarily make it fall under fair use. A lot of things that teachers do falls under fair use, but not everything. And b we also have to be consider uh, we we have to consider that we're modeling for kids and we want to teach kids the right thing to do and what they do especially if they're going to post it on a social media or they're going to post it on YouTube may not be fair use and so we we have to model that for them as well I had a really interesting question from one of my students because they were writing this essay and they were talking about um, music sampling so how in music you know artists use bits and pieces of each other, sometimes as an homage, sometimes not. And um, that kind of brought up, well, how in writing, you know, can you do that? And the best thing to do is cite the source and do that appropriately, but then always link and provide that um, citation back to the source. You know, that at least kind of covers, I think. Are there any guidelines for fair use? Questions to ask yourself as you're this is complicated and and it's and it's messy um it is anybody who's looking for um very clearly delineated rules is not going to find them here so if you're comfortable nailing jello to the wall you're gonna like the, you're gonna like fair use <laughs> that sounds really awful <laughs> well <laughs> it's that's the best i could do i'm sorry um when considering a question of fair use, when a court, if it comes to a court and the copyright holder says, Kevin, you used this and you shouldn't have, and now you owe me X number of dollars, and I say, no, it was fair use, and we have to settle our, our claim in court, a court is going to look at four different factors um, for whether my use of that material was covered under the fair use clause. One of them is the purpose and character of the of, of what I did. Did I do something that was exactly the same as what the writer did? 
I just wanted to show. I just wanted to use this as a uh, as a piece of literature. That's less likely to be fair use than if I was using it for the purposes of criticism, or if mm-hmm. I was changing it in some way, or if I was writing a parody or some kind of spoof. That's more likely to be fair use because I'm changing the nature of what of of the material. We look at the original work. Factual-based material, reference works, are use of that is more likely to be fair use than use of a creative material. So if I take uh, an encyclopedia article back in you know back when I have we have printed encyclopedias, and I take that and I use a piece of that, that's a factual work that's right. much more likely to be okayed by the court as fair use than if I took a poem or a a piece of fiction. How much of the piece did I use? How much of the work, the video, the audio? And this was what Lisbeth was saying earlier. You'll see things online where people say, oh, it's 10%, it's 12%, you can use 16.4%. There is no bright line. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's you, you, it, again, it's what a court decides would be appropriate. Again, if you're using less of the material, it's more likely to be considered fair use. And the other piece, and this is where a lot of teachers get confused, is it's the, the consideration is not whether you are making money off it or not. The consideration is what effect does it have on the market for the original piece? So even if I'm not making money, if I'm hurting the market for the original piece and causing that person to lose money somehow, then that's not fair use. So a court is very likely to find that that's not fair use. Now, again, like I said, all of those are squishy. None of them is there's a, a bright line where here is fair use and here isn't fair use. But those are the things that, that a court will consider if it ever comes down to that. I kind of think in teaching printed material, I just think that would rarely be something someone would come after you for. I think where we have to really watch and model for the students is video content because yes. kids will take a song and put that behind a video and... I think that's a bigger issue where someone would come after you. Well, and I just um, learned about a really great project, and I took this question to Kevin actually earlier this week after coming from the conference um, about putting music behind a video that was actually part of the assignment for the students to do. And my question was, you know, it was supposed to be whatever song matched the theme, but what if I want to put a Bon Jovi song, you know, behind that? How much of it am I allowed to do? And then taking it beyond the framework, we're asking our students now to create portfolios. What if they create a project in class and it includes Mm -hmm. writings from other people or images that were created by other people or music behind it created by other people? It's okay, fine. They did it in the classroom. Nothing happened. I didn't get, you know, nobody got caught. Nobody got put in jail. But now if they're putting it on a portfolio website and they're putting that out to the public, it's so important to understand what that what they're allowed to do so that they don't get in trouble later on. And it's a really hard concept for kids. 
oh. to understand, well, what do you mean someone owns this idea? I or bought so- it. Yeah. I have the CD. Uh, CD. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have it on Spotify, whatever. Why can't I just use it? I paid for it. Yeah. Oh, that actually brings up another thing I get from teachers a lot. I've purchased these materials. Can I put them on my website? Can I give them to mm-hmm. the rest of my department? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. No. You bought the one-time thing. You can't now spread it around for free to everybody you know. Right. One of the misconceptions that I've that I've gotten from teachers and from students is that, well, this isn't copyrighted because there's not a copyright notice on it. And uh, kind of going along with that is that the the misconception that if I make something, I have to register it or do something to make it copyrighted. And the fact of the matter is just publishing it, putting it on a website, if I've created it, that's an implicit copyright. I own that material and I don't have to register it anywhere. I don't have to uh, put a mark on it. I don't have to do anything for it to be covered under copyright it's automatically covered. If someone else wants to use it, they have to ask me legally. And I can decide to give them permission or I can decide to give them permission under certain circumstances, right? I can say, yes, you can use this if you pay me $50 for five years. Now, this is where Creative Commons comes in. Mm -hmm. Because if I've made something and I put it on a website, And I want people to be able to reuse it. I intend for anybody to be able to reuse it for free. They don't change anything. Give me credit, but you can use it. I don't want everyone in the world emailing me and saying, do I have permission to use this? Because I'm tired of that. (laughs) Right. So Creative Commons is an internationally recognized system of labeling that allows me to put a, a Creative Commons license on my material that effectively preempts that questioning. It lets other people know what they can and can't do with that material without asking me. It's me kind of saying up front, anybody can use this. And and that's that's one of the things I really like about Creative Commons is you can specify various different types of licenses. So for example, I can say this is available for anyone to use, but you have to give me credit. You have to attribute it, okay? That's one. I can also say this is available for anyone to use, but only non-commercially. You don't get to make any money off right. of it. I can say, um, I can decide that you can use this, but you can't remix it. You can't change it. You can't modify it. Or I can say, yeah, sure, go ahead. It's perfectly fine to take pieces of this, chop it up, remix it, rearrange it, do whatever. So Creative Commons is, um, if you see Creative Commons symbols on things, that's that's a green light. That is something that's telling you this person has, has uh, will allow this kind of material, this whatever they've created to be used, and you don't have to explicitly ask them. So if I want to use music or images from the internet, what's the best place to start or what kind of actions or steps should I take to at least start searching in the right direction for stuff that is rights cleared? 
Like, are there open sources? Yeah, I know Kevin has a list of things he put on the website. Um, But, like, photos, and I learned this, I think, from Elizabeth. I don't know. But Unsplash Photos Mm -hmm. is where I go a lot. There's Wikimedia Commons, which is a commons for images. Um, Flickr. And then GIFs, I was just telling them, you can actually go to Giphy. GIFs. It's a GIF. You can go to Giphy, Jiffy, whatever website, and put public domain in, and any that are free public domain come up there too. So, um, yeah, we just put a bunch of resources on our uh, on our EdTech website, and that link will be in the in the show notes. And a shout out to Nancy Minikazi who uh, put that together originally in a uh, in a presentation that she gives called "Don't Steal This." And so, ironically, I stole it. <laughs> Hi, Nancy. Um, the other thing that a lot of people may or may not realize is that if you just do a Google image search, and so I just go to Google Images and I search for pandas. Okay, um, on the second line below the search bar, there's an option called tools. And if I, wait, is it tools or is it more? Is it tools? Yeah. Um, And one of the options, if I click on that, is usage rights. And so I can search, I can filter my search just by, um, by by photos that are available, that are licensed for reuse. And so I won't, it'll pull out anything that is copyrighted. Now, that depends on the person who creates the photo actually license, uh, uh, labeling it correctly when they post it. So you're relying on the original person. Google is just scraping their websites and finding that information, but it gets you closer anyway. Mm-hmm. One of the things, uh, one of the sources for music that I have used myself is called Moby Gratis. And Moby, the musician, puts a lot of his work available for use in student films or nonprofit projects and whatever. But what I like about it is you can't just go and download it. You can listen, decide the piece that you want, but then you have to write an email to them and request permission. Hmm. And permission is granted. They, they'll give it to you, sure. But it's modeling that process mm-hmm. for kids. And so I did that for a film that I had to make for, for an application. And, and I wrote, and they, they say they respond within 24 hours. And it was a form letter. It was a, it was a, you know, a canned response. But cool. That's, that's yeah, modeling that's that process. I would love to have, have kids do that. It's almost worth making an assignment Just where they to... have to do that. Yeah. Yes, I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing, I'm going to give this to Kevin too, but I keep on our website where uh, we have our 11th and 12th grade. I have a graphic organizer that's actually like in the front of everything that teachers can just say like, okay, what is this? Why am I using it? Is it okay or not okay? And it's just a real quick little check thing. So I'll send that to you too, because I refer to that, even though I think I know this, I always end up going back and say, what is it? Sure. What am I doing with it? Sure. It's a complicated topic. And mm-hmm. and we haven't even gotten into all of the terms of service for these different things. So another question that I get all the time is, why is Netflix blocked? I purchased a license for Netflix. I have a subscription. Why can't I show Netflix in class or other streaming services? 
And that answer doesn't even have anything to do with copyright. That has to do with the terms of service that personal accounts, sub personal subscriptions are not allowed to be used in public settings. And that includes classrooms. And the district got a cease and desist letter from Netflix a few years ago. And so that's, th that is complicated enough. And then there's copyright and then there's fair use and there's so much complication, but we've tried to simplify and we've tried to make it as as clear as possible on our uh, on our edtech website we'll have links for that in the show notes and so next time that you are thinking about using some kind of printed or video or audio material please be aware of what you can do legally and uh, model good things for your students so thank you for listening Our topic this week is Wait, copyright. Is and yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's where he gets his outtakes from. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs>